My father was a plant hunter, an adventurer, and I saw little of him my first fourteen years, even less the next two. But after I turned seventeen, he became my whole world. He returned home once a year or so, as was his promise to our mother, venturing to our house in Kent each Christmas, bearing strange gifts, such as a cash pot filled with prickly cacti, a geode, a large rock that split open to reveal a crystal treasure within, a brass ship's compass, and once a hessian sack of foul-smelling compost, which my father called bat guano. All things a boy might love, but certainly not a girl, my mother said. And we were a house filled with girls, each of us named after a flower. There were nine sisters, all born around the same time, begotten during my father's annual visit home. I came to regard Christmas as a herald, trumpeting the arrival of yet another sibling in late summer, most likely a girl. One more flower to add to a bouquet, already bristling with unwanted blooms. One would think my father would be happy in a house surrounded by females named after flowers, but women and flowers are not the same. No matter how much rose atta eau de toilette or lavender powder we wore, we could not compete with the real thing. Flowers lured my father to faraway lands filled with savages, barbarian princes, exotic ladies in silk saris, and even marauding cannibals. My father wrote to us of his time tramping up and down hill and dale, canoeing rushing rivers, and climbing rocky mountain passes in search of an elusive bloom heard of but never seen by a westerner. His plant hunting continued through my childhood until September of 1860, when my father met his misfortune. Not through the poison-tipped arrow of a pygmy warrior, but by his own miscalculation. His headstrong behaviour had come home to claim its due, or so my mother said. My father said nothing. The last time I saw him was in 1859, when he came home to Christmas toting a large, mysterious box wrapped in brown paper. The year the youngest, Dahlia, was conceived, and the year I was sixteen. Mamma always looked forward to Papa's visit, growing more and more excited as the date drew near. Instead of visiting the church every day, as was her habit, she spent those hours at her sewing basket, updating her wardrobe in the latest style. When the day approached, she sat near the window, peering out at the street, waiting for Papa to arrive. He had always walked from the train station before, but this year he arrived in the back of a delivery cart, his long legs dangling down, his arm across the reason for the cart, the package wrapped in brown paper and tied with rough twine. Although Papa dressed in an elegant tartan waistcoat and a black coat, his bushy beard, befitting his status as an explorer, always gave him a raffish look. Mamma rushed outside and threw herself in Papa's arms, and as usual, after a cursory hello to us, he whisked Mamma off, and we did not see them again until lunchtime. That shan't last long, Violetta said, her face grim. If this rapprochement continues to Boxing Day, I shall be surprised. Violetta, I chided, 
but she didn't respond. Instead, she plonked herself down at the piano and began playing Brahms's Piano Sonata No. 3, crashing her hands down on the keys a little harder than Mr. Brahms required for the somber piece. Although Violetta was a devotee of Gothic novels, she didn't often have fits of melodrama. But over the years she had stopped believing that our parents' affection toward one another would endure. Their love balanced on a knife edge, and it took little to make it topple to the ground. I suppose Violetta remained cynical, because it was too painful to wish for something that could never be. Two days later, on Christmas morning, Papa presented the mysterious package. He stood, his strong hands clasped behind his back, his eyes shining, as he watched my little sisters strip the brown butcher paper away to reveal a domed box made of glass, filled with miniature plants, dainty furniture, and tiny handmade twig dolls. There were ferns, mosses, and jumbles of strange-looking plants, including a clump of tangled roots that perched atop a little carved statue's head like a wig. Peony, Lily, and Delphine stared at the box, unable to make either head nor tail of it. Well now, Papa said, how do you like that, my girls? What is it, Papa? Six-year-old Lily asked. Papa looked taken aback. Isn't it obvious? he said in a booming voice. It's a dollhouse. I made it from a wardian case, an absolute miracle of an invention. Plants can travel across oceans in Mr. Ward's cases, remaining as fresh as the day they were collected. They are the very reason why your papa is the success he is. <laughs>